very much, Paul, for um, taking the time to have a have another chat with us um, about your own career and some tips for inspiring implantologists and what they should be looking at doing in the future. So this uh, number three podcast is looking at sort of tried and tested um, ideas and top tips for a successful career, similar to the one that you've followed so far. So we're just going to talk through that. Um, and if you've got any recommendations and um, what you've learned along the way that would be really great to share that is that all right yeah, oh no cool excellent so um first of all really I suppose one of the things that people talk about you know we we know that like sort of 40 to 50 percent of people what sort of in 40 to 50 percent of um, implant cases you'll graft what what at what point do you decide that you're going to graft and at what point do you decide you're going to leave it? You know, what's your what's your criteria for choosing to graft in any certain situation? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And and, and a graft says a graft is when's a graft not a graft. I mean, if you're talking about sort of bone grafting and hard tissue grafting, that's significantly less good outcomes in, in, in when you look at all studies and, and trials and stuff. Um, again, literature-wise there isn't any single randomized controlled trial on any hard tissue grafting procedures. Um, so, well, actually there is one that was from Strauman that was in the 1990s and the product, I can't remember what it was, has actually since been discontinued. <laughs> so there's, there's a real, you know, deficit of, of good hard evidence of what works and what doesn't. And, and you're always back to the, 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 the implant surgeon's adage of, well, that works in my hands, which, which doesn't mean anything. So um, it, again, I would always, if possible, differentiate between hard tissue and soft tissue grafting. I would also differentiate between vertical augmentation, which is another whole topic, which I'm happy to, to touch on, um, and sort of uh, horizontal augmentation. So, so in that order, in terms of predictability and outcome and uh, lack of complications, you've got right at the top of, of the most predictable, I would say soft tissue grafting. Uh, second on the list, you've got horizontal augmentation and then last of all, vertical augmentation. So of those, um, I would, you know, uh, research wise, um, soft tissue grafting, excellent success rate, you know, certainly plus 95 plus percent. Um, uh, horizontal augmentation, 80 to 90% across most studies. Uh, vertical augmentation, 70%. So 30% failure rate, did, no matter what you're doing, is, is for me almost unacceptably high. You, you've got that figure is, is distorted by a lot of center bias. So, you know, if Istvan Urban's doing your vertical augmentation, you've got a better than 95% <laughs> chance it's going to work and be absolutely phenomenal. But if, if, you know, I'm doing it, I, I really wish I had his skills, but unfortunately I don't. So it's nowhere near as predictable. And certainly with the vertical augmentations I've done, um, I've had about a 30% failure rate. So, so yeah. So I, I would always, in that, I would always try and do soft tissue grafting first. I would, if I have to do, I would try and avoid grafting if I can by using a narrow implant or a shorter implant. Um, uh, again, because that is more predictable. Um, if I have to do sort of hard tissue grafting, then I have to do it because ideally you want your implant surrounded by at least uh, one and a half to two millimeters of bone in all directions. And sometimes you just haven't got that. So you do need to augment. Yeah, 
Okay, so in terms of um, talking there about um, so your different implants, what what implants do you use? What materials? Well, what implant system do you use? If you got if you got a reason for preferring one to the other, I know you're talking about short implants, long implants. You know, in different cases, do you do you choose your implant system based on the variety that they've got, or just what you what you know best? And, and, um, and yeah, instruments I, I, as well, and materials fall in that. In terms of what yeah. this is about, what your your tips for successful career are. So what what you found yeah, works. That, that's, I mean, my tips for successful are. Uh, education, 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 as Tony Blair said. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if, as, as um, yeah, if you if you think education's expensive, try ignorance. You know, it's your failures are what really cost you, both in terms of uh, emotional cost and financial cost. So you you really want to minimise your failures uh, and optimise your successes. Um, so in, in terms of what I use implants wise, it depends on on who's restoring or if I'm restoring. Most of what I do nowadays is Strauman. Uh, I used Astra EV for, for quite some time, um, but I've used BioHorizons. Um, I've used Common Implants. Um, I've used also, I've used Nobel Implants. They, they all have pros and cons. Um, I think for me, Strauman probably has the best range of different implants. I do like the tissue level implants, especially in the mandible. Um, and I think there are certain advantages with using those. Um, the good thing about sort of Strauman is you've got implants that you can use in an immediate situation, which I increasingly do. Um, but you've also got implants to use when it's delayed and, and sort of they cover all the bases. Um, good question. Short implants are, are anything that's defined as less than eight millimeters. So uh, and most people nowadays, you know, you don't need longer implants if, if you can avoid them, really. So, yeah. And that's what you're using that. And. When you're doing a sinus graft, which which type of sinus graft would you do, Paul? Would you is it is it patient? Is it just depending on the case, or are you is there one that you favour over the other? Or no, absolutely. Uh, I would say um, again, you you've got your scan. You look at your scan. You look at what you've got. If you've got six millimeters or more of bone depth, then happy days. You, you put a six millimeter implant in. Job done. You don't need to lift it at all. Um, <laughs> anything really less than six, but more than two, I would always try and do a crestal sinus lift. I, I find it's more predictable. It's difficult, but once you get your head round it and, and you're confident doing it, I, I just find I've got more predictability doing it. Uh, there's less downtime for the patient. It's less uncomfortable. There's less surgery time. And I found the outcomes are just as good. Um, I think with sinus lifts, and again, there's no no hard evidence for it. Everybody says that it's the um, the osteogenic potential of the membrane which causes sinus lift to have a good success rate. My take on it is I'm not convinced about that. I think it's the fact that um, when you put the graft in, it's completely immobile. I think personally, I think the fact that your graft is totally immobile in the sinus has more to do with why whatever you put in seems to work rather than any other factors. Um, I like something that's going to stay around in there, which has got pros and cons. So uh, I would use the same thing, which is a 50-50 mix of bioos and autogenous. So uh, autogenous, I would harvest from the external ramus. I also, if I'm doing a lateral window, I'll use a safe scrape or a micros to harvest some autogenous from the window. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then I'll mix that at least 50-50 with, with BioWAS, and that's what I tend to put in the sinus. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's a good. Yeah, I had, had never thought about that, but yeah, I think that whole immobilization of graft is something that that you know we talk about, and it is. I think it's it's so important, isn't it, for in terms yeah. of success with graft grafting. You're covering both bases. You've got the longevity of, of, of the BIOS and good research for that. Plus, you've got the, the better integration and you've got all those factors from the from the natural autogenous bone. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, and, and certainly, you know, going back to, to one of the guys who I've learned an awful lot from, if you go back to Istefan's studies and he thought, well, yeah, and then again, he's, this is all documented. He looked at just pure bios he looked at pure autogenous he looked at varying mixtures because people say it should be a 50 50 mix and they'll maybe have like a, a few scrapings that will barely cover your little fingernail um mixed with a shed load of bios and think well that's a 50 50 mix that isn't a 50 50 mix and you won't get anywhere near as good or predictable outcomes yeah without that so that's quite interesting that actually leads me on to my next question paul um in terms of your um career people that you follow, that you inspire and you, whose work that you are um, impressed with. Obviously, you spoke about Isfan Urban and I think everybody is, um, knows, knows that name who's in, involved in um, implant world. But is there any other, um, any other implantologists, whether they're people who are, who are known internationally or nationally or even just in your own area that you look at their work and you think, yeah, that's somebody I want to learn from and somebody who spend time with that you could that you would say to, to other people to have a look at their work, you know, um, for, for good ideas and, and no, absolutely. I mean one of the great things about the ADI is is that you do sort of mix ideas and, and talk to other people in in the profession and and often it's not necessarily being on courses or even going on sort of studies or uh, exhibitions and talking to other practitioners and talking to other um, guys who do a lot of implants, um, you learn an awful lot just talking to them and picking their brains, you know, just um, from the ADI, you know, certainly, you know, just, just talking to, to anyone, you know, good friends with, with, with Amit Patel, uh, Pinedas George, um, you know, talking to Ema, talking to Abid, there's lots of people out there, you know, um, you know, again, so, you know, Peter Fairbairn as well is, is a fantastic implantologist. And you learn a lot of stuff just looking online and, and on Facebook. And it's great that people do post a lot of cases and, and discuss them. And, and you can learn a lot from that as well. Um, course wise, I, I, I mean, the, the, I'd say the biggest influence in terms of way I do implants is, is uh, Marcus Herzler and, and Otto Zier over in, um, in Munich. Um, again, I've, I've been on all of their courses and, and they're the few courses that I really think I could probably do those again and still learn even more. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're the guys, you know, and just their, their mentality, their philosophy, the way they do things, their attention to detail, because it, it is the, the devil and everything else is, is in the detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great because it's always good. I think the implant community is very is great at sharing ideas and different and, and as you say, this case studies on Facebook, it does make it it's just interesting for people to say, Oh, what would you do in this situation? Or this is what I did. Yeah. And, you know, people come yeah. in and it is, it's a good way, it's a great way of learning. Um, so just one other thing I really wanted to ask you, um, of my of your sort of top tips of, of successful. In terms of your major bone techniques, what do you find the most successful and why? 
Um, and what makes you make decisions on what technique you would use? Do you mix and match it? Do you is there some is there something that you always go to kind of thing? Um, or what's your okay? Just to put this out there, and I, I think anybody that does a lot of grafting, that this should chime with them. The grafting material, I think, is secondary. Mm-hmm. I think the two most important principles are grafting is to make sure whatever you graft with is absolutely immobile. Mm-hmm. And I think you need a hundred percent tension free closure. And yes. they are the really, if you had to put the three things in order, mm-hmm. I would put tension free closure, I would put graft immobility, joint first, and in third place, I would put graft material. Um, and, and it's those techniques that that and I think people get hung up too much on materials mm-hmm. and not enough on technique. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's they are the absolute principles. And if you don't get 100% tension free closure, because sometimes you, you'll see people and, you know, they'll do a periosteal release and they'll get a little bit of movement and it won't close. So they'll do another periosteal release and they'll get another millimeter or two and it still won't close. So they'll just put some stitches in. They'll just crank those stitches in and they'll say, there we are, it's, it's closed. That's not tension free. That 100% that is going to open up. And if it opens up, you'll lose 50% of your graft material. Yeah. And if it's an autogenous block or you're using a, 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 a titanium reinforced PTFE membrane, it's game over. It'll just end up a big old mess and you're almost worse off than you were when you started. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to your, your thing about education, 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 and just trying to ensure yeah. as much experience. Um, as possible learning techniques definitely and it's learning the technique but it's also developing your surgical skills that that Mm -hmm. is absolutely essential and there's there's no shortcuts to that there's no quick (laughs) there's there's no magic bullet or or fairy dust you can sprinkle in there you've got to learn how to do things properly and you've got to develop the skills and that takes time and and effort and and some heartbreak as well (laughs) because no matter how good you are, you're going to fail you. And, and the trick is to learn from those and, and move on and not kind of let that, you know, knock your confidence too much and uh, and learn. Yeah, excellent. Good. Well, listen, Paul, thank you very much for your time this morning. Nope. Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to that. And um, we have got some more conversations coming up with um, our podcast. And I think we're going to have some conversations between yourself and some other um, some other um renowned implantologist from the UK so we will keep um, up to date on that and fingers crossed I'll I'll twist some arms and uh, see who drag it (laughs) absolutely okay so